0: Geek Top 5 Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) This is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this next part is very important, so pay attention, 007. While this may appear to be just a regular podcast, it in fact contains highly sensitive information regarding Eon Entertainment's No Time to Die, the latest James Bond film in the franchise. If you haven't seen the movie yet, the information contained in this file may seriously disturb you. So, let me be clear, spoiler alert, if you have not seen No Time to Die, just... Stop the podcast and uh, go look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself what you're doing with your life, I guess, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) I lost a Q thread there, but uh, that's the basics of what you need to know. It's Geek Top 5. We have some deep diving to do today and a little bit of list. We're talking James Bond. And, of course, we cannot just do that alone. Yes, we have
1: gone back to uh, the... the source of all the James Bond goodness on this podcast, Mr. Kinman Smith. Welcome back.
2: Always a pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. I can't believe you had me back for the third time, considering how awful I was on one, and, <laughs> and, and I was definitely mediocre on number two, but always happy to be with you guys. It's uh, the right trajectory. It's a it's a subject close to my heart, and uh, I wouldn't miss this for the world.
1: Yeah, we got to get you up to uh, 007 uh, guest appearances on our show.
2: Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, we've got to do at least
1: a couple more of these. So that would be fair. <laughs> so let's get into it. I, I guess the the first thing I should ask is uh, how many times everyone has, has seen the movie so far? I'm at two. I saw it last night in preparation, or actually it was 11 a.m., so not it was night somewhere. Uh, <laughs> that was my second time seeing it. Jesse, how many are you, how many are you
0: at? I'm at the one, uh, saw it a couple of weeks ago.
2: Okay. And, uh, I've seen it, uh, three times now. Um, so I, I saw it, I bought tickets for the, for the Thursday preview and, and Graham, you and I saw it together with, uh, with my friend. And, um, and then I went back to experience it in IMAX to see if it made any difference. And um, $60 later, no, it hadn't. Um, and then I went to see it again on Monday night in preparation for our air edition this evening.
1: Yeah, my the one I saw yesterday, I saw it in, in this, you know, they're trotting out all these gimmicks. So I saw it in Screen X, which means that it broadcast or put some of the image on the walls of the theater. It was a weird gimmick and definitely not worth the price. So, so don't bother with that. That would yeah, be my advice there. That sounds
0: dumb.
2: <laughs> it because we sound, well, but it, you know, what's even dumber is uh, the second time I saw it, I saw it in Smell-o-vision. Um, <laughs> You know vision You're not, you know, you didn't do the dumbest thing I did.
1: <laughs> okay. So I, I guess, look, obviously it was good enough that Kidman went and saw it three times. I've seen it twice. What is everyone's general opinion? Uh, opinion of it just just the basic you left the theater what was your thoughts uh
2: you know this is a film that we have basically waited five years for um you know and it was supposed to come out uh you know uh well I guess sort of during when COVID first hit and then it got pushed back and then it got pushed back again and of course there was all that rumination about whether it would be pushed right back to 2022 so it could come out on the 60th anniversary of, of the launch of the, of the film franchise. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that it came out in 2021. We didn't have to wait forever for it. Um, and no word of a lie, I, I walked out uh, stunned, um, not a little upset, uh, a little verklempt, um, and, uh, and Graham, you'll remember that, that, that my friend who joined us that night was actually kind of furious <laughs> over, over a couple of the things that occurred, um, both, you know, sort of halfway through the film and then at the very end of the film, um, you know, but thankfully she's not with us. So who cares what she thinks? I'm <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I, I I I probably left the theater feeling the way that the filmmakers wanted me to feel, which was um, shocked, worried, um, and yet uh, vaguely fulfilled because I it was probably the way it needed to end.
1: Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I, I was uh, I, I wasn't as verklempt. I can say that uh, with like <laughs> precision since I was there with you. Uh, I was not as verklempt as you were, but it was Well your your heart is a lot harder than mine though. That's true. Like, I'm a very you know, sensitive individual and you, you know, I've well been through a lot, I've built up a shell. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Says the guy
1: who's who's yet younger than thirty five. Whatever. <laughs> uh, please go on. Uh, and it, you know, we will get to the ending, but the, I, I was very satisfied all the way through and despite the shocking ending, it felt appropriate. Like it didn't come out of nowhere. It made sense with the movie and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was a lot to digest. Uh, when I left, I was really, I, I was, it was a lot to process. I think.
0: How about you, Jess? I came out of it pretty happy. Um, there were things... <laughs> really, Jesse? You, yeah. dark, you dark-hearted bastard, you. <laughs> there are things that uh, I would have changed. but Overall, I really enjoyed the movie. It's, I am in a unique position because the ending was spoiled for me uh, deliberately by an...
2: Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. So,
0: yeah. It wasn't me. So, it wasn't Graham, no. It's this... this yeah, this, this person will remain nameless except for piece of <laughs> but uh, so I went into it you know so i wasn 't shocked um, because I knew it was coming. I think I have a slightly more cynical view of it but uh, but uh, so i, I didn 't get the same you know trauma from the ending that a lot of the people who got to go into it who 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 don 't have as many in their life got to. <laughs> Um, but I, I really liked it. There are parts after where I was there are things I liked, there are things I didn't. Um, I it, it certainly was worth the ticket price, and I would probably see it again, maybe not in theaters. Um, but I I, I mean, we'll talk about it later when we get to our top five Daniel Craig Bond movies. But this one is probably going to be pretty high up on that list. So, this was fun.
1: So, one of the really interesting things about this conclusion is it sets the Daniel Craig movies up as a solid one storyline. It's five movies in a row that tell arguably one story. Clearly, that wasn't the plan from the beginning because there are a lot of plot holes and, and it doesn't all tie together neatly. But aside from skyfall skyfall might be the the only standalone entry in it everything else ties together one way or another which is very unique for a bond for for a franchise that's that's hit 25 movies that's that's unusual there there's been some continuing threads in the past like specter has been there before but it's never been one story like they changed the actor who played blofeld every time and it didn't matter here it would have been a huge deal if they'd changed the uh Christoph Waltz out for like I don't know uh, Jesse Eisenberg you know <laughs> it would have been noticeable or, in a or, way that or, or, or Christoph Vulcan yeah, sure him too uh, so yeah what did how do you feel about this all this is like a, a almost three hour movie and yet it's just one piece of the story it, it's they did a really good job of it making it so that you can watch it on its own merits I think but Knowing that it's a piece of a whole how how do you feel about that as part of this franchise?
2: Um, well, you know it's I mean let's be clear I mean I think that i don't think Eon went into this um, with a clear vision of trying to do five uh, connected films you know and, and you've already made that point as well. I mean I think that you know they they sort of semi tried to connect. Casino, and Quantum. Um, you're right, Skyfall kind of stands alone, and then the terrible retconning that existed in Spectre um, really kind of, in some ways, I think did a disservice to the films that came before. Um, but the, the, the wrap-up here is, uh, well, to quote um, Safin, uh, tidy. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a very um, you know, they wanted to be tidier about it and 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 and, and it is a very sort of um tidy wrap-up. Um and and I'm I'm I, I give them props for being so brave as to do what they did, um, because I don't think there's any Bond fan who would come out of this film and not be shaken up by what they just saw. Um, you know, like it's, I think it's an unavoidable, uh, moment. And so, yeah, I mean, I think as a, as a, as a, as a, as a whole, that it's, it's been, you know, it's been a hell of a run. Uh, and I think in some senses, the, the Craig era, if you will, um, is is almost not one of the eras that that we need to look back on um, with 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 a sense of time and a sense of history. You know, I mean, the way we can look back on on the Connery era and break it down, or the Moore era and break it down. Um, you know, it the we're we're at a we're at a place where the the Craig era has now ended with a a thudding f- uh, finality. Um, and it's kind of refreshing to look at it in that sort of multiverse way, you know, um, that James Bond will return, but, you know, Daniel Craig will not be doing never say never again, too.
1: And, and it won't be the same character returning. It's a, the, the previous conceit was that Sean Connery and Dr. No all the way through, Pierce Brosnan and Die Another Day. That was one guy's story. It was always the same person. All the stuff that happened between Connery and Pierce Brosnan happened to that same person. This is very much it. Those these five movies are their own self-contained continuity.
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But also that like, but that's also part of it as well, right? Like, I think I think there's a lot of people who are sort of um, throwing themselves on the sword of. Oh my God, I can't believe you just did that. Um, and yet people accepted live and let die on its own merits as, as not diamonds are forever. And we accepted, um, you know, the living daylights as not view to a kill. Thank God, considering how awful (laughs) view to a kill was, um, and How Awful Diamonds Are Forever was. Um, you know, and we accepted Pierce Brosnan. And we accepted Daniel Craig. Um, you know, but but you're... Oh, 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 Jesse, please weigh in. Please.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, look, I don't want to cut you off or anything. I mean, no. but like, with regards to the original question, like, I think actually we're pretty close on the same page and like... The I think the continuity and the efforts to carry that from movie to movie were the weakest part of these five movies. Hmm. I think the parts of the movies that stumble the most are where they're trying to draw threads between movies or when they're trying to outdo things in the original movies and the same sort of scenarios happen over again and we're drawn to this repetitiousness of it. Uh, I kind of wish that they hadn't done that and i think that i think of the of the few things that this movie does i didn't like it was i think somebody recognized that because this one yeah it doesn't stand alone it ties up a lot of loose ends but it also sort of says okay now like basically it, like it sh- it kills everybody from the last four right it says okay all that stuff is that's not really important anymore here's the much more narrow range of characters and events and organizations that we have to deal with now and i think that's one of its strengths uh, now the concept of it like well it's a self-contained story is like it is all the other stuff that happened to the james bonds it's like well I bet there's an argument to be made to say that like, you know, the same, the stuff that happened in Moonraker might not have happened to the same person that happened in Goldeneye. Um, I think that they sort of deliberately leave that a little untouched. It, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's a departure from what we're talking about. But I mean, last, epi- last episode, we talked about the Legend of Zelda and how they're loosely in a continuity. But every time you pick up one of those games, it's a new Link, a new Ganon, a new princess. I think there's an argument to be made for that for a lot of those old Bond movies. And I think these would have been stronger if they just ran with that and said, just like, here is another episode of crazy things that happen without being tied down by continuity.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's interesting to reflect back on the fact that okay, so you know, um, Bond's wife is is killed, um, and it's a it's the one off different Bond, and then you know, Diamond starts with the old Bond coming back to avenge the death of the woman that he was actually never married to because he's not Australian, um, <laughs> you know, and then uh you know and then the wife gets mentioned in spy who loved me another actor who was never married to diana Rigg, <laughs> you know and then we get the little graveside moment in uh, you know fear eyes only again with a, an older roger um you know and it's so it's it's funny that the the series you know the, the canon has always tried to Oh, I don't know. Sort of briefly try and link the story, but then totally ignores the story. You know what I mean? Like that—that—you yeah. the, know—the the brief mention in *Spy Who Loved Me* is only so that Roger can look tough and and basically, you know, tell Anya Masova to shut up because he's sensitive suddenly. Um, and and so there's there's some really interesting continuity, and yet non continuity just within the series itself and and you know you're right i mean I think you know the one the one continuum in the Craig era has been um obviously not just Craig himself but the fact that they have um uh, uh they've celebrated the the humanity of of the character and Craig's performance therein. So despite all the retconning, despite all the, the sort of really sort of weak uh, attempts to try and tie it all together into a, a five-film narrative, um, the one constant has been the, the powerful human nature of, of the Daniel Craig Bond. Um, you know, he's not a Superman He's, you know, he's not always dapper. He bleeds. Um, God knows in this film, he gets shot a lot. Um, And so it'd be, you know, it'd be easy to go back and forth and just sort of um, knock Eon about for their um, uh, inability to try and keep some sort of constant thread or constant, you know, hand on the throttle. Um, But but I think that the, 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 the Craig era will, will stand alone in a way that, that no other actor's era will um, because, and uh, there will be a lot of people who will probably be annoyed when I say this, but the, the Craig era, I think, actually finally gave us a cinematic version of the literary bond. The literary bond um, was yes, he was a secret agent, um, but he was he was vulnerable. He was human. He 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 falls in love a couple of times in the books. Um, his heart is often broken. Um, he's not superhuman, and he um, there's there's an an investment i think in the in the literary canon that he's a a living breathing human being right and i think that at some point, um probably somewhere around you know sort of goldfinger thunderball where um he became a a cinematic version of bond and not the literary version of bond and um and you know what's interesting is that you know if you if you again I I I know we're not we're not getting to the ending of No Time to Die yet, so we don't have to go there yet. But um, you know there are there are pretty obvious you know adumbrations and parallels between No Time to Die and the uh, the novel You Only Live Twice and <laughs> um, you know the the Poison Garden. Um, you know, find the villain is shifted from Shatterhand, who is Glofeld, to to Safin. Um and then obviously the 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 denouement of of No Time to Die mirrors the end of You Only Live Twice. But um, I, th- I think what happened, what's interesting, is that, and it's 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 a hard one to talk about because I think a lot of people, a lot of people got used to the the spectacle of bond, right? The, um, the, the sort of the, the, the comfortable nature of bond that you had this extraordinary opening sequence. And then you had, you know, an amazing titles sequence. And then you had some maniac trying to do something on a global scale. And the only guy who can stop him is James Bond. And, um, you know, there's going to be sort of women who come and go and, and, you know, and, the, the the gadgets the cars the this the that so the the cinematic bond took on a reality um that was very very different from the literary bond and um you know which was more of a flesh and blood uh, uh vulnerable um you know still very strong uh character but 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 a very very different one from the cinematic bond and um so there's that interesting dichotomy between, you know, if you're a literary purist, um, you know, how do you feel about the the films from that standpoint? Um, and I think what's interesting within the Craig series is that, you know, we never saw Sean Connery, you know, grieving the death of anybody, you know, maybe briefly in You Only the Twice when Aki dies. But, um, you know, like, you know, the, the feeling with Connery was always, yeah, okay, whatever. Next. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there was always that. Yeah. There was going to be another girl, another thing,
1: another moment. Moore is like that, too, in, in that he's very rarely, he's, he's not cold about it, but he's very rarely seems to be touched by any of the other characters.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and the funny thing is, like, my favorite Moore moments are when Moore is emotional. Um, like I like that little scene in *Spy Who Loved Me* when when she when Anya mentions Tracy, and and he looks at her very coldly and says, "Fine, you know you've done your research, you know." And, right. and I, you know, like I like those human moments. I like those human moments in my Bond, and and it's one of the reasons that I've I've loved the Craig era, um, despite its flaws, despite some really 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 terrible scripting and some some overwrought filmmaking um you know the one nice thing about the craig era has been that the humanity of bond has been ramped up and 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 i really i really kind of dig that and it's and it's been ramped up in a you know you guys are going to hate me for this and so are a lot of your listeners but it's been it's been ramped up in a in a non bullshit Star Wars, you know, I am your father. Crap way, um, you know, it's like it feels real.
0: I mean, to be fair, that was the last movie. <laughs> like we're we're only one movie away from that. The uh, Bond, I am your brother. Yeah, that's exactly oh, what that, happened.
2: That okay that. Really, that was a bad choice. I'm with you, Jesse. That was a bad. Uh,
0: just choice. I, I. mean, we 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 all know you love to poke fun at Star Wars and stuff, but that kind of horse, <laughs> the larky. Uh, <laughs> we like. We did just do that.
1: Okay, let's.
0: Yeah.
1: I want to talk a bit about more about this movie instead of uh, the bigger picture of the Craig era. Yeah. Uh, let's get into a bit of the villain in this one. Rami Malek plays. Lucifer Saffin. Yes. Which the uh closest we've come to like a punny or weird name for a villain in a while. Um I I have to admit the first time I saw it I had a hard time following the plan and I know there's this feeling with bond movies like if you are paying too much attention to the villain's plot then the movie isn't isn't uh entertaining enough. Like the movie isn't captivating your attention enough. But for the purposes of this podcast, I thought it was important to try and like in my head anyway, understand what his plan was watching it yesterday. I, I got a better sense of it. I got a better handle on it, but what do you think of him? Like it's a, he is very much a background villain. Um, the last few villains have been more in your face and, and you get to know them a lot more. Rami Malik only has a couple of scenes in this and uh, how do you feel he acquitted himself?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think he did a great job. I think he was, like, sinister and silly in a way that I sort of expect my Bond villains to be. I like that his name is Lucifer. I like that, like, he has this weird indeterminate ethnicity and, like, a poison garden for some reason. I I felt like they did a good job of mixing some of that. I think what Kinman would disparage as the more cinematic Bond stuff, the cheesier stuff with the darker things that Craig has done. But what they did really well is that it wasn't all about him. And in a way it was, I thought it was very little about him. He was there to be an elevator for everything else that's happening to these characters. Um, at the end of the day, I'm still not sure exactly what his plan was post revenge on Spectre, but it didn't matter because what was important was what was happening to James Bond, what was happening to Madeline, what was happening to Matilda. And he, I felt he was just there to sort of facilitate the character growth there. And I think that they did that really well. Uh, if I had to make one, you know, like bad hearted thing, I would say, I th- from the trailers, I really thought the mask would be a bigger deal, uh, and it turned out to be completely pointless. But it, it yeah. looked cool a little, I guess. So. He wears this like
1: geisha mask throughout the the beginning oh, of the movie, and then it sort of makes reappearances later on. And it really feels like something from an earlier draft, and and it just got left in. Yeah,
0: yeah that was uh, that was exactly the conversation I had. They probably had more to do with that thing there, and it got cut. And, yeah, and, and I'd and like
2: to give I'd like to give Eon some credit, but this is a, one of those moments where I'm really kind of annoyed with them. Let's let's keep in mind that it's a no mask. Oh, sorry. Right? A no time to die mask? No, it's a no mask. Ah, okay. And and <laughs> like so, do- that, so is that that echoes Dr. No. Oh. and let's be clear. This film, if you if you if you know your Bond cinema, you can pick out a moment where every single Bond film is referenced in No Time to Die. Every
1: single film. Impressive. And, I, I haven't looked at the list. There were a few that caught my eye, but uh, I definitely didn't, I didn't catch all of them. No, no, no. But, but what I'm driving at, though, is this is Bond 25. Yeah. And, and, you know, so
2: I hate the whole idea of Easter eggs. I'm tired of, of watching things that tell me about the things that I missed. You know, because some you know smarmy YouTuber is telling me, you know, hey, did you see this? Yeah. Like, no, did you see my fist hitting your teeth? <laughs> um, but but like like that's just one of those things in this movie. It's like, oh, it's a no mask.
1: Oh, uh, eh. um, oh Did not pick oh, up on that one.
2: But, but but no. But I mean, Jesse, you're right, and I think that 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 as a villain, Saffin seems to only be there to.
1: Uh, drive the plot rather than be villainous. He he has like his scene with Madeline in her office, I thought that was good. It's like good dialogue. It's a good back and forth between them. And it's it's really the menace is really good in it. Like the menacing vibe
0: is really good and well, and he still has a goal at that point in yeah. the movie, right? Like that's still like, okay, I see what he's he's doing. It's after that, after we lose Blofeld, then it's just like, well isn't he done? Yeah, after Mission that, accomplished. go home. <laughs> it's true. After
1: that, his his plan gets a little more vague. I think what he's doing is he's selling uh, Heracles to the highest bidder or like vials of it to the highest bidder. And he wants Madeline. And one of the things that I, I, I think bothered me the first time I watched it, and, and I feel like it's been a criticism I've heard in other places, uh, he's making off with the kid uh, who, I mean... Yeah, spoilers, uh, Madeline. Yeah. And,
0: spoiler alert! Yeah, we're well past that. Just <laughs> yeah. go for it. Bond dies at the end. Yes. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's he's running off with. Uh,
1: he's got his guards, and he's carrying uh, Matilde, and and uh, she bites him, and then he he puts her down and is like, fine, go away. And I think some people were like, "What? Why did he do that? Like, he's got this hostage. It's a perfect thing." But I think he's. To my mind, he's after Madeline. He wants her. He doesn't care about Matilde. He's only interested in her in as much as he it helps him handcuff Madeline. At that point, I think he's just like, this kid is more trouble than she's worth. And I, this place is going to blow up anyway. So be it. And let's her go. And so that that didn't end up bothering me. But it, the first time I saw it, I was like, that seems like a weird thing for the villain to do. Like, he's got the hero's kid. This is the the perfect tool the perfect pawn to, to keep the hero at bay and he just lets her go
2: Yep, absolutely and and it, and his performance like it's a really it's interesting that that Rami Malek chose this after winning the Academy Award for Freddie Mercury because you know in this movie he's clearly channeling his um his best um bad skincare William Shatner. <laughs> um you know because <laughs> His delivery is, is really interesting in, in that, you know, it's it's sort of, you know, I am going to rule the world. <laughs> and there's extraordinary yeah. sort of Shatnerian pauses between <laughs> um, between some of his uh, some of his moments. Um, but yeah, it like you know, it's funny this the script the script of this film feels
1: bloated you know um
2: it like
1: there's just there's a lot to cover uh, honestly especially watching it this time and I know it's a bond movie and an action movie but there were times where I was like it it's it feels like they wrote a whole movie and forgot that there were action scenes and they were like oh man this movie is 2 hours already and then they fill it with a half hour of action and it's like I almost would have liked it if they'd cut the action out and I was just interested in the the plot they had going. There's
0: absolutely action that can be cut. The the fight in the forest and the fog, like it was well done, but that could all have gone. A lot of the creeping into the submarine base could have been cut, like could have been cut down. This was too long, a movie, for sure.
2: You're absolutely right. But then, you know, I mean, those two action sequences give us a whole bunch of past Bond touchstones, right? Like, the, the the fight in the ewok forest. Um uh you know He's even I mean, wearing that Han
1: Solo's jacket from the Ewok Forest.
2: Okay, let's not go too far, all right.
1: Um <laughs> yeah, the man just said he doesn't want to hear your right, Easter right. eggs.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but
2: you know, like 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 when when Vaughn pulls the car down on on yeah. Logan Ash, that is that is Roger in Fear Eyes Only and that's Dalton in um Oh crap! The second
1: license, license, license
2: to kill.
0: kill, right? And then and it was a very satisfying moment, sure. Like oh, you know, it was, like that, and, and this did enjoy it, but like that character didn't need to be there. Who cared about Ash?
2: Yeah, and the, but the stunt that precedes it, where the where the where the um, the Land Rover hits the the tree trunk and flips over, that's clearly a practical stunt. Yeah, and I love the viciousness of shooting at the car while it's flipping through the air. I mean, fabulous. Yeah. Um that whole sequence is gorgeous to look at. This is this is I think hands down the most beautiful Bond film I have ever seen. Um Linus Sandgren, the director of photography, deserves every accolade possible for making this film look the way he did. It is just gorgeous. Um yeah. is also
0: apparently incredibly expensive. I'm reading they're hoping it makes 800 million to break even.
2: Uh, well, they are about 200 million short at the moment.
0: Um, I mean, so you're right. looks beautiful, but I mean, if I had a billion dollars, I bet I could make a pretty cool movie too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely
2: right. But again, like, like the, 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 the fake weird glider submarine thing, um, you know. Yeah,
0: that was pointless.
2: It was, it was, it was pointless, but it was also, um, not only do we have a vehicle that submerges itself and becomes a submarine. A la right. Spy Who Loved Me, but it emerges into uh, a submarine pen, Spy Who Loved Me. Right. Um, now again I mean, a
0: lot of broad movies did submarine stuff.
2: <laughs> no, <they're, laughs> you're absolutely right. And you yeah. know, after after basically 60 years, it's gonna be hard not to be self-referential. Mm-hmm. But but one of my I think my biggest complaint about No Time to Die is um that there seemed to be a a mindfulness about being self-referential, and and I think we I think we can all agree that that you know when a when a when a series becomes self-referential, it also becomes it breaks that it breaks the fourth wall and it becomes in some senses self-parodying, yeah, and, and somewhat stagnant. And that's really troubling. And and you know I mean I I want. You know, I don't need, I don't need a standard Bond film. I don't need spectacle necessarily. To your point, Graham, you know, I'd be really happy with a quiet Bond film that just de- dealt with character. You know, hello, majesties. Um, you
0: know, which I don't is- know, Kinman. I like it's. I I mean, I I mean, I will take the position that yeah, there are a lot of movies that don't think enough for sure. But when I'm watching James Bond, I, I mean, I kind of want the watch to do something cool. I, like that's just, and, and I, like, I mean, one of my big complaints about Goldeneye is he got the cool car and never used it. Yeah. Like there is something to that that I that's that's the flavor I'm looking for when I go to order at the James Bond restaurant. And I and I. Think that the balance here was pretty good. Like they had this really touching family story, but they also had. I was just showing someone your watch. It blew their mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm here all week. Try the pork.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think the balance of that was was really good. And maybe that's part of like it being a little too referential. Is they felt like they wanted to do some callbacks to some of the sillier Silver Age Bond stuff. But the but yeah when the car has machine guns in the headlights it's oh, that, yes, that, that's that's what I'm so looking cool. for
2: every every moment of the matera sequence is magic every Did moment
1: me, that yes it was the that whole sequence was great and and it went so like i i completely forgotten that there hadn't been a title sequence and when that that opening sequence ends and he puts uh, madeline on the train and it cuts to the title sequence both times i was like i I can't screw the title sequence. Let's just keep going. Although I have to say, the title sequence is beautiful. Really enjoyed it, and the the song
0: is great. But yeah, but the movie's already going by that point, and yeah. you want to yeah. Fun thing. I, I mean, I didn't pick up on it, but I saw it with a uh, w- with some friends, all of whom are women, and they all immediately realized she was pregnant. Well, when she puts like, her hand on her stomach, yeah. I was like,
1: "That's a that's an interesting tell." And then I'd kind of forgotten about it by the time she shows up again.
0: Yeah, I sort of like noticed it and moved on with my life. But they <laughs> they were they clearly had it in head. I don't know if that's just a, you know a bias thing.
2: Well, but- maybe. I mean, I think I think you know this might be a really good moment to recognize um, the extraordinary performance by Leia Sedu. Um, yeah.
1: And this is, is one of two performances in the movie that originated in Spectre and is vastly improved in this movie.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But 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 her performance is the is the heart of this film. And um uh, you know, and and it's like almost to the point where the film kind of almost becomes her journey, if you will, in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um but but she is um she's extraordinary in this film. And uh that that moment when he puts her on the train and she clutches her I, I, I thought she clutched more of her heart than her stomach, but um uh you know, like you feel her you feel her pain in that moment. She's so amazing in this role. Mm-hmm. And and then you know, like again the script is kind of a mess and 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 it and it and it bounces more than a than a pinball machine, but um somehow she manages to retain an emotional center in the film. And Jesus Christ, that, that last scene, not not the, sorry, the the penultimate scene with her when she's on the rocky outcrop with Nomi and her daughter. Um and, and she's talking to Bond uh and realizing what's about to happen yeah I mean, dear God, dear God, I mean, uh, call me weak need, but I but all three times it's like, oh, here it comes. Oh look, I can't stop my eyes from watering. <laughs> um, you know, it's like she's amazing
1: in those scenes. She's so good. She is. And, and Spectre, when they introduce her and they're supposed to fall in love, I, I never bought it. I still don't buy it when I watch the movie. And I'm one of the defenders of that movie. But that relationship never clicks for me. I don't get it. In this movie, I get it. Yeah, like, it's- totally.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't figure out exactly what it is she does differently but the like if she's only recognizable as the same character because she's played by the same actress like otherwise it's so much more powerful there's so much more heart to all their performances but especially hers i think she does sort of stand a little bit above her co-stars even even craig
2: oh yeah and i and i think like you know there's that moment when um you know like we had that, that we have that sort of flashback to the past in norway and then mm-hmm. she she surfaces, um, and and Craig comes down to the rocky outcrop, and you know says, "Are you okay?" But there there's a there's a humanity and a warmth in that scene that was completely missing from Spectre. So you're absolutely right, Graham. I think that the just even that establishing moment of, "Are you okay?" And then no. literally five minutes later, "What were you thinking that 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 day in the water? Are you all right?" Like like there's clearly the, the the two actors have figured out how to um, make us believe in their connection.
1: And then the other character that's brought over from uh, uh, Spectre is Blofeld and, and we've got Christopher Waltz returned uh, and I loved him in this movie. And in the previous movie, he's, he's supposed to be this cold calculating super villain and into like, he's, he's almost you know, Lex Luthor esque in that it, it, he's got his fingers and everything, and he's in full control and you're supposed to be very afraid of him. Um But in this, he's a bit more like a classic Bond Blofeld, like a Telly Savalas, a Charles Gray Blofeld, where he's, he's a little nuts. He's a bit of a loose cannon. You don't know what he's going to do. And he's sitting in his jail cell, uh, t- seemingly talking to himself. He's, he calls bond and and makes him think that uh madeline has betrayed him and all of that stuff was great and and it made the casting of christoph waltz so much more appropriate because he's it's hard to take him seriously as a just a straight up top bottom villain he needs a little smirk to him he needs a little scenery to chew on and he does such a good job in this movie
2: yeah the the, the one scene at bellmarsh Uh, is, is amazing. And he, I mean, Christoph Waltz has said in the, in interviews that he, he doesn't feel like he nailed Blofeld in, in Spectre. Um, he's right. And he's right. Yeah, absolutely. He's right. Because it, but also it's not his fault because Spectre is awful. Um, well, and
1: and just going back to that previous episode we did, where Jesse loses his mind over <laughs> Christoph Waltz saying, cuckoo, cuckoo, it he, he, you're right. It's not appropriate for that version of Blofeld. When he does it here, it's perfect because yeah. he is a little nuts. He's a little and unhinged. It's, it's, <laughs> perfect yeah. is strong.
0: Okay, okay. perfect. <laughs> That's fair. But it's perfect.
1: perfect. is a
0: big word for perfect. Uh,
2: it, it is, you know, it is seven letters. You're right. It's a big word, um, <laughs> but it's also, but, but you're right. I mean, you know, he, 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 he does sort of nail it within this, but also, you know what, because frankly, well, part of it is, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock, you know, one of the great directors of our time, but um, I often feel like Sam Mendez just didn't know what the hell to do in Spectre. And, and for what it's worth, Fukunaga kind of does know what to do with Blofeld in this. And, um, you know, it's a really, Voltz's performance. You're right, Graham makes absolute sense in this one in a way that the previous film, it did not make any sense.
1: Yeah. There's a, a sort of a tradition of sorts in the bond movies where they, Are gonna, they're, they're a little serious and then they start ramping up and they get sillier or campier and campier until they reach a sort of peak camp and then they have to go back to serious. The, the traditional examples are, I think, uh, Moonraker to Free Your Eyes Only from like the heights of Jaws falling in into a circus tent without a parachute and going into space, going down to a like, sinister diver like and bond without any gadgets mm-hmm. in, in the next movie. And a similar thing happened going from die another day, which is an insane movie with diamond faces and face swapping and Madonna and all sorts of horrible and an stuff. invisible fucking car <laughs> and an invisible car, uh, going from that to the down to earth groundedness of casino Royale. And this franchise, the, the Craig era, it stayed fairly even-keeled, fairly straightforward, and just slowly ramped up the campiness. And this is about the the most perfect, I said it again, mix of camp and seriousness that we've had in a Bond movie in a long time. Because that the whole Cuba scene is real campy and real delightful. I really enjoyed it. And it goes from that to
0: the heartbreak
1: of the end of the movie that Kenman has already described. Yeah.
0: Now we 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 got to stop there though. We have to talk about this. We've talked about things you would take out of the movie and returning things that were good. But one of my favorite parts of this movie, like our favorite action scene, certainly is where he's working with Paloma or he's working with Anna de Armas. I if, one of the things I would change about this movie is I would have brought her back at the end. I loved that scene and I loved that character. Yes. Sadu by far is the champion acting in this, but her portrayal as like the ingenue, but with the heart of a first person shooter, (laughs) it was hilarious. It was exciting. It was, I just, I I loved it. I loved that part. I want to see more of that. Is that just me? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, uh, you know, and,
2: and, you know, I mean obviously one of the big knocks against the series as a whole and even within the Craig era has been the the way that the series has treated women and um the the, the Paloma scenes are spectacular, right? She's you know, like <laughs> there's that nice little sort of moment where he assumes they're gonna sleep together and she looks at him and goes, Oh no 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 no, you're getting dressed. Um <laughs> You know, and flips that on its head. And then, uh, like, to the point where he's so embarrassed, he makes her turn around while it gets changed. And then, you know, she kicks complete ass in a, in a slit black dress. Um, and there's that great overhead shot where she has to grab a gun and spin around and shoot three guys while she's lying on the floor. Um, she's amazing in that film.
0: Yeah, this was such a wonderful example of having your cake and eating it too. Yeah, they got to do Bond in the tuxedo and the girl in the revealing dress and the like playful flirtation, but they also gave her so much power. I just and and then they just say goodbye, like they say to each other, "You were great, yeah, you too. <laughs> Let's do this again sometime." That was and so then, nice. And then they just don't bring her back. <laughs> I can't and figure then, out then, why. Yeah, and then
2: unfortunately. Craig's Bond and Paloma will never meet again. Yeah, and but, wouldn't, wouldn't you know, it have been fun to bring her back?
1: Look, Judy Dench's M it, uh, uh, crossed over between the Bonds. I, I, I feel like Paloma could uh, come back and and just meet Bond anew. Whoever the next Bond yeah, is,
2: could, could do. But but then you know we'd have that sort of that sort of sad remembrance that right. you know, she's not playing with Craig. She's playing with. You know, dot 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 dot, yeah. dot.
0: I mean, I I get that. I would be okay with it still. Um, I I I felt like that would, like like I think there's a lot of gold to mine from that scene from that character.
1: That that scene was great. That the, the Specter party in Cuba. I loved the weirdness of it. That it was it was exactly what I I wanted from a Bond movie that was gonna take a, a few little detours into the past and and the the three guys the three skinny bald guys walking around with a tray that has an eyeball on it it was like that wouldn't have made sense in any of the previous craig movies but here it felt right and i i really that the, the cuba scene is my favorite scene in the movie. Easily, that whole sequence.
2: It is. It is a great scene. Although I really wish that one of the ball guys was Lee Majors walking around with a bionic eye. That would have been. That would have been, been super.
1: <laughs> I think it would have required some resurrection, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that is Bond's hobby, after all.
1: la Skyfall. Um, okay. I feel like there's one other character that we got to talk about. Bionic
2: eye. I yeah. A bionic eye. Jesus Christ. All I, all I wanted to hear at that moment was,
1: nah, 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 nah. want to see somebody jump over a fence. <laughs> Inman, you're aging yourself. Of, no one in our audience knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Back in my day, we
0: had the $6 million man. He was so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they rebuilt him. They had the technology. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so He had a did- great girlfriend. Her name was Lindsay Wagner. <laughs> All right, Grandpa, we'll get you back to the home.
2: Okay. <laughs> screw, screw off both of you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Bond retires at the end of Spectre. There is a new 007 in this movie. Uh, this was not a secret. It was all part of the advertising campaign, and it upset some uh, people, uh, to be polite. and But let's talk about her. 007, sometimes known as Nomi, know depending on uh, how many 007s are on screen. How did we feel about her? Um,
0: Underused for what she was advertised as. I agree. Uh, I think she was outshined in terms of acting ability by Sadu. I think she was outshined in action by Anna Darmis. Uh, Her role in the movie seemed to be to sort of add a little bit of tension to James Bond, but James Bond immediately outclasses her. And then, you know, and then at the end of the movie, there's the, like, well, towards the end, there's the touching thing where she gives him back the 007 code. And it's like, well, the, like, why are you here? Like, it's just, but at no point does she seem to be a real threat to him. I mean, not, I mean, yeah, she's on his side, but in terms of like, as a replacement, like she she's following Ash, but Ash gets all the way around the world into bond before she can, and she tries to solve things, but she can't do it without Daniel Craig to help her. It's like I think they undercut her, and I don't think that's how that character should have been used,
2: yeah, I agree, I mean, I think that they kind of um you know her introduction is terrific when she's got the the Jamaican accent and. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, they used her to reference the past Bond film when she pulls her wig off. It's Rosie Carver from Live and Let Die.
1: I, and she's a diver, which I thought was uh, might be a reference to uh, Ursula Andress. Yeah, totally. Um, that, that was her cover anyway.
2: Yeah, but again, to your point, Jesse, I think, um, like, why couldn't Nomi, why did Anna de Armas need to be in there? Like, why couldn't Nomi have fulfilled that role and they could have had that extra that they could have had built an extraordinary action sequence around the two of them trying to get um the annoying Russian scientist out of there. Wow.
0: Well, I'll tell you I mean, this isn't a perfect explanation, but the one they went with is because the Cuba scene is, is fun and Anna de Armas is fun. But me. – I'm sorry, I don't have the actress's name. This is killing me. Lashana, Lashana, Lynch. Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch. Yeah, she's not fun. She's serious. She's the casino royale that gets mixed into this, whereas Paloma is the, you know, the, the, the golden eye. The, I don't know. The, the, the silver age stuff that gets mixed into this. Now, I don't know if that actress is capable of doing fun. Uh, like that, might, like that may not be because of her. I think that was someone's decision, like either in, in the screenplay or in the director's chair. But the Cuba stuff was the fun stuff, and she's not fun in this movie. She's serious. Everything's important. Yeah, because,
2: yeah, but the, the like the odd part of it. I mean, I guess they have got to set up that sort of CIA versus MI six part. But um, you know, I like I really don't understand why. They, they, I don't understand why they couldn't have let that be a relationship-building moment between Nomi and Bond. Like, I, like there was really sort of no reason for her to, to pull her best Batman and come crashing through a skylight and grab the scientist and fly up through the roof. Like, it just... Um, it seemed kind of pointless, other than to get him out of the way so we could have this big shootout um, and and, you know... Uh let me bury my stiletto in your face kick scene with the Paloma character and um you know, so yeah you're right, like unfortunately, Nomi ends up being kind of a
0: a downer and and, and a second fiddle and yeah. that's mm-hmm. and again that 's not the actor's fault, but it just the, the movie doesn't change much if you take her out of it, and that 's a problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, especially given the fact that, that she, you know, there, there are moments where she is kind of pivotal, you know, where she supplies the plane, where she picks him up in the Aston Martin after the Ewok forest fight. Um, You know, like there, there,
0: there are moments where she's pivotal and yet, But she's pivotal in a supporting role. She comes to get him. She takes him where he needs to go. She's barely a step up above Money, Penny, and Q. And I like those characters, but those are supporting characters. I was told that she was going to be kicking ass because she's 007 now. And that's not what I got. And we finally get to this moment that I think was intended to be her like badass moment. Where the like the the scientist threatens to wipe out her entire race, she says, "Oh yeah, you know what time it is? It's time to die." And then she shoves him into the poison thing, and yeah, yeah. nobody actually, cares. Yeah, she actually quotes Blade Runner, and then kills. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and, and nobody cares about that. We don't care about her. We don't care about the scientists. We nope. don't care. None of that had anything to do with all the stuff we're emotionally invested in right now. And it comes off as so flat. And then she disappears from the movie so that everyone else can have their, their, their character resolution. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like they dropped the ball, especially since they were marketing it so big on, like, the new 007 is a black woman. That's a big, important thing. And they really pull the rug out from under her at every opportunity. I I know it wasn't malicious, but it almost seems that way. I, I, I know I'm hijacking this, but it's just that I really was hoping for more. I was one of those people who were thinking, like, yeah, maybe this is the next... 007, maybe the James Bond features, are na- they're now going to be this woman, and there's no way there's no way you no. can build a-, a franchise off of that performance
2: yeah, and and part of it goes back to the scripting here, because um, you know, she does have one of the nicest, sort of the smoothest lines in the film, which is uh, I can't remember quite what the setup is, but you know if you if you get in my way I'll shoot you in your knee. The one that works. Yeah, um, that's a great smooth line. Probably came from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, quite frankly, for all the hype, I don't see her fingerprints on this script very much. So, so she has this great introduction in the Jamaica sequences, and then, to your point, Jesse, um, you know, she's almost like this boat that somebody untied the rope. And she's sort of drifting around in the bay and then every once in a while she bumps up against something and has something to do and then drifts away with the tide again and then bumps up against and then drifts away. And it's, it's a waste of a, it's a waste of a really good actress and, and great possibility.
1: Yeah. It feels like maybe another draft was necessary. Uh, it also feels maybe this is a cynical perspective, but, um, you know, the Bond movies are known for their extraordinarily beautiful women that get uh, added in. And that that may be why Anna Darmis has the scene there, as opposed to uh Nomi's character, who doesn't have really any, like, scenes that are hinged on her being a beautiful woman. She's more, like, efficient, double-O agent killer. And so... You put Anadarmis in there, put her in the fancy dress, and she fills that quota for a Bond film. And and again, she's great. I really like that scene. I think she she elevates the Bond girl role that Paloma does, Anodarimus. But from a storytelling perspective, it would have made a lot more sense if that had been Nomi yeah, uh, getting a chance to to
0: show her stuff there and it would have made it yeah, a greater movie. There's again, I don't want that scene to change. It was so good, but yeah, she could have done both and she should have done both. You know, like, like what a great way to do that twist is to have her start as the bond girl and then turn out to be 007. Like she can do both. Mm-hmm. Like, there you go. There's something that's threatening James Bond already. It's like, you know, she, she's, she's filling in this thing that he's traditionally needed two people to do. Yeah. That's definitely how I would have done it if I were writing it.
2: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because, I mean, if you you know, if you read the, the 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 trades and the rumor mills and so on and so forth, I mean, you know, everybody knows that that Danny Boyle and John Hodge were attached to this film early, and there's a rumor circulating that they wanted to kill Bond off at the end, and that um, Eon and Daniel Craig objected to that. And, and that's why Danny Boyle and John Hodge were kicked off the project and they brought back Purvis and Wade and, you know, the usual suspects. And, and I, and I'm not being, I'm not trying, I'm trying to be disparaging because Purvis and Wade have been really, really effective Bond writers and also really ineffective Bond writers. Um, But what's interesting as well is that I think this, the, the script of No Time to Die feels the, I think the, the, the resulting film is tighter than it deserves to be. Um, with, with four writers on it. Four
0: right. credited writers. Right.
2: But we know that Scott Burns was pulled in. We know that they probably picked up stuff from John Hodge and, and Danny Boyle. Um, this is wrong for me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. It doesn't take four people to write a James Bond film. And, and I think one of the problems with the, with, with Eon at present is, um, it's not about how many pieces of spaghetti you throw at the fridge and stick. You know, like, please just for God's sakes, come up with a strong idea and give it to one, maybe two people, um, and let them run with it. You know, I mean, gone are the days of, of, of Mankiewicz and Joanna Harwood and, you know, the days when you can actually get a strong script out of one or two writers, Um, you know, Feirstein with, with Goldeneye, great script. Uh, It just feels like too many, too many chefs. And, and No Time to Die feels to me sometimes like it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great concept because a lot of the concept comes from Fleming. Um, a lot of it comes from, uh, you only live twice, uh, but it ends up just getting bloated because too many people stuck their fingers in the pie.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's, um, we're, we're running out of time. So there's two things I want to do, uh, quickly. First, we have to talk about the death we haven't, we've danced around it. We've referenced it. James Bond is dead. Uh, I didn't see it coming, uh, up until, you know, the last, 10 or 20 minutes uh, before it happened. I, I really didn't think they would do it. I kept thinking like, how are they going to get around this? They've given him a family. They've given this, they've given that. What are they going to do? And when they killed him, I was, I was surprised and I needed to sit through the whole credits to see if it would say James Bond will return or, or what. But uh, yeah, it, it was a shocking moment. And uh, I feel like Kinman, you said you f- guessed the ending way earlier in the movie.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, well,
1: so, so yeah, so
2: I, I sent you, so, you know, a week before the film came out, the soundtrack came out and, you know, I mean, obviously being a, the Bond fan that I am, I, I downloaded the soundtrack as soon as it was available and, and listened to it ad nauseam and heard the, the, the cues from, from Majesties. And I, I sent it to you and went, you know, it's Majesties. And your first reply back to me was, are they going to Tracy her like Tracy in quotes and you know so you and I were already talking about this before we actually saw it and then and I remember in the film there were those there were a couple of big big moments and I and I thought so when when Felix dies um that was my first sort of oh Christ are they going to do this and then when Blofeld Dies, I thought, ah, uh, that's it, bye Bond, um, because it felt like they were, you know, they were putting a bow on the whole damn thing. They were wrapping, they were wrapping it up, and and again, I give them, I give them kudos for being so brave as to do it, but I really don't know. Unless they go back to Fleming, so at the end of. You only live twice in the in the novels. Bond is killed in The Poison Garden. And then at the beginning of The Man with the Golden Gun, Bond comes back brainwashed and tries to kill M and is stopped by basically what amounts to a get-smart cone of silence. Um, and... Um, and again, I'm gonna date myself when I say this and 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 also come off like a complete chauvinist, but I actually remember um I must have been maybe eight or nine and um coming across a playboy article um that had this extraordinary illustration it might have been by um McInnes, I'm not sure, um, who who of course did a lot of the Bond posters in the in the 60s and 70s, uh, but of a of a of a Sean Connery version of Bond slumped in a chair after trying to kill M um, and having been sort of gassed or or put down in some way, shape, or form. So I think in some senses, I'll I'll lay I'll lay money right now. I'll put I'll put 50 bucks on the table that the next time we see Bond, he comes back and tries to assassinate M. I'd watch that movie. And they and they reboot the series off of that. Um, But yes, when 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 James Bond seemingly dies at the end of No Time to Die, um, it's. It's, it's a brutalizing moment. It's affecting. And, um, you know, I think the first time I saw the film, I will fully admit I, I cried, um, because, you know, my sort of childhood hero had just been blown up, uh, by the Royal Navy. And then the second time I saw it, I was, uh, kind of deeply affected by Leah Sadu's, uh, work. And then the third time I saw it, it was the goddamn music. Because um, <laughs> when he begins to climb that ladder at the end, and in the musical cue, it's called Final Ascent. And the minute that music started, it's kind of like, for me, it's the final scene in Field of Dreams, where Kevin Costner plays baseball with his dead dad, and which is another film that reduces me to a, a small puddle. Um, and it was just like, oh, God, here it comes again. But, um, you know, again, deeply affecting and and beautifully done and beautifully shot. But I just don't know where they're going to go from here. Uh,
0: See, that's interesting. Like, I have the same conclusions, but from a complete absence of all those emotions. (laughs) Uh, But I also would not be surprised at all to either see – I mean, like, I think the easy way out is to sort of, you know, restart, like, reboot it with a new Bond. And, of course, we know Daniel Craig doesn't want to come back. But if for some reason, you know, they drove, you know, like, a, a wheelbarrow with enough money that up to his house, and he decided to do one more. I wouldn't blink an eye if he just walked out of the, an elevator one day and you know, the music, Bond, how did you? Oh, the missile just blew me clear. I was fine. <laughs> it. I mean, I... The scene was again; it was spoiled for me deliberately, maliciously by a. J- <laughs> so I, I I I didn't have the dawning realization, and that maybe that's what's missing. But it was a nice scene, and then there was a bright light, and now he's gone. But Bond has been gone a lot. I don't have any concern about it. I mean, I know there will be another movie. It probably won't be Craig. There's a strong chance they'll make it the same character and it might, they might even do a direct sequel and have him come back from the missile dead. I wouldn't be surprised at all. It it didn't dig into me as much. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if they're, if they're smart, if they're smart, they have to reference what happened.
1: Really? I, my, in my head,
0: I'm thinking it's just going to be a fresh reboot. I mean, that's my bet. My bet is that it's just, it's James Bond 26. It's, you-never-golden-live-twice-to-die <laughs> gun, and uh, and it's starring hip young new actor, and he just, you know, he walks out of a fancy car, and he says something British and shoots some guys, and we're back to square <laughs> one.
2: Says something British.
0: <laughs> this, this never happened to the other fella.
1: Yeah, there you go. Ah,
2: ah, you see, fourth wall breaking.
1: <laughs> oh, I hate that moment. So... Let's go through. Uh, we'll do it real quick. Uh, very informal, no dueling lists. How does this rank with the
0: other Craigs? Why don't you go first, Jess? Okay. Um, then I'm going to do. I mean, do we want to do it from five for dramatic purposes? It's, I still think, I still think quantum's at the bottom. Interesting. Cause, um, okay. I, I didn't like Spectre. There are parts of Spectre that made me furious. Uh, but I think Quantum was just an uh, an uninteresting movie, which really is an accomplishment when you have everything. <laughs> when you have everything that comes with James Bond, and you're able to make it boring and forgettable, like that's Quantum's right at the bottom. Then Spectre, which I didn't like, and you can hear us discuss in detail in our previous episode with Kim. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm doing three, two, one. I'm going to do, I'm going to put Skyfall at three and No Time to Die at two and Casino at one. Yeah, I really think it's,
1: uh, I'm, I'll just do my list real quickly, but I really feel like the Craig rankings are going to be fairly similar in that Casino is almost always going to be number one. And then you're going to have Skyfall or No Time to Die. The two, three will flip and then Quantum Inspector, the four, five will flip. But for me, right now, I'm going to put Skyfall at number two and uh, No Time to Die at number uh, at number three, and then uh, Spectre at four and Quantum at five. I feel like I, uh, I feel like I got to see Quantum again, and, and maybe then it'll be, jump up back up again. But it, Spectre, I'll has... tell you, it won't. I mean, <laughs> A Spectre has some really great moments in it that I think elevate it. There are some some. Parts that I don't like as much, but there are moments in it, and Andrew Scott is fantastic in it. There's just a lot I like about it, and I wish I could write it out. That's the thing. If I, I, we've talked to off and on about doing like a top five Bond movies, it would be really hard for me not to include, not just make it a top five Daniel Craig list because I love these five movies so much. Anyway, sorry, Ken, yeah, what's yours?
2: I think um, okay, so I will go. I will go the opposite route. I will go um, Casino 1, despite its flaws, No Time to Die 2. I will go Skyfall 3, because it's a really good film, but it's not a really good Bond film. Hmm. Um, And then I will go uh, Quantum, and then the atrocious specter in number five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're all the same boat, right? We, we all, we all love, we all love casino rather. And we we're trying to figure out where we land between skyfall and, and no time to die. And we all agree that quantum is a deeply flawed film and yet has great moments. And we all agree that specter has spectacle. Um, and and a lot of money and an old man doing bird impressions yeah and, and a lot of <laughs> so scary of, yeah and a lot of a lot of money thrown at it um but it's flat as hell and and you know if the if the big reveal is the specter call center in the middle of a crater um, <laughs>
1: specter call center <laughs> love it
2: <laughs> like that's yeah. not that's not strong enough um, to sustain the film, and then that weird, you know, surgical moment of the of the drills going into his neck, you know, and and again, none of us bought the relationship between him and Leia Sadu in that film, mm-hmm. uh, so there's no, you know, there's a CGI mouse in that
0: movie for Christ's sake. Um, but I mean, don't forget, like Quantum, the. <laughs> The final the final reveal, the villain's plot, he's going to control water. He's going to control all the water? No, just some of the water here in this one country. No, you're absolutely, gonna, you're absolutely
2: right. And it's he's James, going on that. It's James Bond right. versus Nestle. Um, you
0: know. Except <laughs> Nestle controls more water than Mr. White did, or Mr. Green. Right no, guy. you're right. You're right. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> and it's probably more evil. Like, that wasn't a James situation. situation. Like, that was a scenario for, like, I don't know, the Duke brothers to solve or the Scooby gang. It just, quantum is... Ah, anyway, that's... No, no, you're absolutely right. No,
2: what needed to happen was we needed a 1969 orange Dodge Charger. <laughs> with to, the hate symbol to, on the roof. <laughs> to, to, with, with, exactly. With the hate symbol on the roof. To be launched into the Bolivian reservoir, that would have saved <laughs> Quantum. Um, no, but at least like you know. But again, I think like Quantum has has some depths and some chops. Uh, it's a mess of a movie. Let's let's be clear. It's a mess of a movie. Um, and sure, the filmmakers can blame it on the writer's strike and everything else. But the fact is, is that you know you guys were just lazy and had no working script before you needed to get your, you know, put your cash cow up on auction again. Um, You know, and it's one of the great frustrations of the, of the, of Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson, that it just seems that they're all about the money sometimes. Um, But the, you know,
1: I still say Quantum is a better film than uh, Spectre. I think... Quantum really holds up a lot better if you watch it like within a day of seeing Casino Royale. It really helps elevate that movie. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. I don't need you to give me like <laughs> this is the same argument. It's you have to watch this television show. Uh, the not, first not, four seasons are terrible. <laughs> uh, it's seventy episodes per season, but once you get to episode six hundred, it starts to pick up a little. You'll really like it then. But you need yeah. to have seen the, the previous yeah. six hundred episodes.
1: Yeah. So when <laughs> get lost.
2: I, mean, I don't need like, you
0: to dictate those terms to me.
2: <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. But I mean, but Quantum starts off with a kick-ass action scene. I know it's very Jason Bourne-like in its editing, um, but that is a hell of a car chase. And then um, you know we get the we get the, like a really good uh, rooftop chase scene, and it's it's a great it's a great opening bit. And you know what? And I I don't mind Dominic Green as a villain. Unfortunately, you know, Mattia Amorek is not given enough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've got Elvis with his atrocious haircut. But... Um,
1: Olga Kurylenko is a fantastic Olga fabulous. One of the best.
2: And, yeah, and the final, quite frankly, like the final fire scene, despite the fact that Mark Forster decided that we needed to have, you know... The four elements in that film, you know, right. earth, fire, water, whatever you wanker. Um, <laughs> uh, that final fire scene is really powerful. You know, it's Man. it's really good. And, okay, and it doesn't yeah. even I agree, an
0: agree to disagree. But I mean, at the end of the day, these are four and five. It's I think we've all agreed that yeah, of the Craig movies, like if. The, if you're going to watch a Craig Bond movie, these probably aren't the ones you're pulling off of your shelf. Or uh, I guess if you're still in the 90s, what you're doing today, you're probably selecting from your streaming library or whatever.
1: And we can all agree that Casino was fantastic. We spent a lot of time on the bottom of the list. I think we have to give a little bit of credit just quickly to how fantastic Casino Royale is. And I think specifically uh, Vesper, she, she, her ghost haunts the rest of the Craig era she, as much as, as great as leah Sidu is, and, and as great, as much as she holds together this last movie, Eva Green's Vesper, whew, she dominates. She is like the Bond girl to end all Bond girls. If we're still allowed to use that term.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say that like, I, I love Eva Green's performance in Casino. I think she's really great, but I still say that as a character, uh, as a character, um, uh, you know, Leia Sedu's character blows Vesper out of the water just in terms of and, and not just in terms of performance, but in terms of, um, you know, dramatic effect. Vesper Vesper launches the rocket, but it's it's Leia Sedu that, that keeps it burning. And um, I know there's a lot of people out there who who don't like Eva Green as, as Vesper, which is unfortunate because I think she does a great job. Um the death of Vesper is nothing against the wrenching heartache of of of, of Bond and Madeline being torn asunder. Right. Um, like there's a real there's a real effect in in No Time to Die that I really admire in in, in that film and, and I believe it. In a way that to, to your earlier point, that I didn't believe it, Inspector.
1: Okay, well, I think I think we're ready for the uh, to wrap up. We should. Uh,
0: you know, Kidman Smith will return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but who will play him? <laughs> <laughs> Kidman, thanks so much for joining us. It uh, the the depths of, that you were able to plumb for this are a huge addition. You bring things to the show for James Bond that Graham and I just could not do on our own. Thanks for coming on.
2: No, guys, I mean I I love I love doing these with you and and uh you know as I said before it's a subject close to my heart and um so kudos to you. We need to meet and and have a glass and 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 talk life.
0: Fair enough. While we're giving out thanks, I also want to extend our our deepest thanks and gratitude to Oliver Wickham, the guy behind our theme song, the cool new Geek Top 5 Season 5 theme song. Uh, Please check him out. He's on Spotify. He's a music producer. He is extraordinarily talented. There is lots of cool stuff for you to find there. And, of course, we want to say thanks to you, to all our fans and listeners and folks in the community Um, We love to hear from you folks. And we know that there are people out there with a lot of passion when it comes to James Bond. So if there are things about No Time to Die that you think we missed things that we didn't focus on or just stuff about the Craig Bonds in general, we'd love to hear from you and keep the conversation going. Uh, Graham, how can they get that stuff to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com.
1: We're on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash geektop5. We're on Twitter at geektop5. You can also go to geektop5.com, and there's comment boards for every episode that we do. And please feel free to go to your podcatcher of choice and give us a five-star
0: rating and review. Those rating and reviews, super helpful to us, by the way, not just for the affirmation, but also it gives us a great idea of where the podcast is being listened to, what parts of it are the best. It's it's lots of metrics that can help us make this a lot better for you. Uh, That 60 seconds out of your day might make a huge difference for us and for you in the future. Otherwise, that uh, No Time to Die, still in theaters, but the fifth of the the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies, they're getting longer and longer, but most of the time they're worth it. Uh, At the very least, it's plenty enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5, and we'll talk to you again next week.